Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome into the first season edition of the Card Chronicle podcast. Rutherford and Danny Sennard. Um, and, and how about this? Folks, are you ready? We've heard a lot of clamoring. We've heard the talk. You guys always promise stuff. You never deliver. You're talking about you're going to have 18 podcasts a week. We get negative five. Uh, people get upset about it. Today, for the first time ever, double podcast. Double Card Chronicle podcast. It's happening. Dan and I here are going to talk about the uh, the Virginia game, the ACC awards that came out on Monday. Uh, a little bit about the tournament coming up. And then later today, we're going to have an, another podcast with Jeff Greer where we're going to preview the ACC tournament more broadly and get his thoughts on all that. Uh, Greer, the best low average writer in the city of Louisville who covers ACC basketball. So I figured nobody better to have on than, than Jeffrey himself to talk about that. But before we get to that, we got Dan Sennard here. He's in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. Dan. A little bit of a rough weekend for the cards. Uh, not just the men's team. Women get beat at the near the buzzer against NC State. Baseball team drops two or three to Georgia Tech. Um, we're hurting a little bit. We're limping into the start of March. Yeah, I mean, luckily it's the, it's the beginning of March, but definitely not how you want to start off for sure. Um, I, I took the loss pretty hard on Saturday. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think I've, I've shaken it yet just because of the possible repercussions we could possibly face on on Wednesday, which I'd try to block out of my head, but uh, we'll pick up the pieces and we'll, we'll move on to the tournament here. We said this on the, the preview pod for the Virginia game. We both kind of felt like that game was going to have, was going to totally dictate the fan base's mood. And it was going to be an extreme direction one way or the other. If you beat Virginia on the heels of, of beating Duke a week before you feel, you feel pretty good going into Greensboro. You feel pretty good going into the NCAA tournament um if you lose there's probably going to be a little bit of an overreaction and i don't know if it's just virginia but it feels like they kind of take a piece of the collective fan base's soul every year i mean the most glaring example of course 2018 the buzzer beater pretty much knocks us out of the tournament that team never the same um but even like like last year we all like when when we talk about last year's team not just you and i but all local fans I feel like there's this overwhelming sense that that team wasn't going to do anything in March, right? Like, they finished the year number nine on Ken Palm. They were very high-ranked most of the year. They had a first-team All-ACC player in Jordan Wara. Um, there clearly was a lot of talent on that team, but just still the overwhelming sense of the fan base is, even if we'd had the NCAA tournament, that was like a Sweet 16 team at best. And I wonder if it's because the last time we saw that team – they were just shitting their pants down the stretch against Virginia. Like, like it's just like that's the lasting example. It's the uh, it's always going to be the the lasting image that we have of that team. 
And for whatever reason, like Virginia losses just crush our souls more than any other losses. And uh, Saturday, the latest example, I, do you kind of feel that with the fan base too? Like we're just. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's funny. You look at Virginia. I mean, Tony Bennett is like by all accounts from like anyone that watches basketball, like a likable guy. But then you flash like after, you know, we lose to them. You flash to him in the locker room, like doing like the celebration. And I was like, okay, I fucking hate this guy. Now. Like <laughs> I, I, it like literally pissed me off. I was like, I mean, I, I understand why he's a likable guy. And I'm, I'm saying that facetiously, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because like I've watched a couple of Virginia's games during the year and I'm like, I mean, they're not that good. Right. I mean, they play pretty fucking well against us. I'm like, is this team ever going to have an off night against us just once? I mean, maybe we have something to do with that. But, um, I mean, God, it, like, I, I want to be, like, really pissed off at our guys. But, I mean, I, I just don't think we were the better team on Saturday. But, like, to the, to the point we we're kind of getting at, like, you saying you're in a low place. Like, I'm in a low place, too. The fan base seems like they're in a low place. But when you – it's a – it's almost a bizarre reaction to have after a game against the team that won the ACC regular season for the you know, 58th time in a row, played, I think, above their average level against us. I mean, Sam Hauser, we sort of so, – I blame us. We, we spoke that, that. It was totally us. As soon as he was doing it, I was like, yep, here we go. I mean, at some point, we're just going to have to stop, stop fucking talking. Like, every time this – it's just – it's – It's like, let's go over the walk-ons. Who's walking on for this team? Maybe that way we know we won't get beat by somebody. I mean, we're going to have to hype up Joey Baker again before this Duke game on Wednesday. Because yeah. we can't talk like, about Matthew The Hope. only sure bet we've had all year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about something. <laughs> and even that looked a little bit iffy. I know, seriously. Uh, but, I, I mean, Virginia plays a fantastic game against us, and yet here we are. And, and again, I'm including myself in this group because I'm feeling this way right now, where we it feels like we have just so little hope going into Greensboro. And then, uh, you know, assuming we get into the NCAA tournament, which is also uh, a little bit out there right now, it seems like not a whole lot of people have that much hope going in uh, to the big dance now. And that's it's, it's disappointing. But I, I wonder if this game would have been different had it not felt so similar to like five other Virginia games over the last six years where they get out to an early lead. We're just totally stagnant on, on offense in the first half. Seemed like we've, you, you know, never seen, never heard of the pack line defense before. We've got no idea how to attack it. We come out, we have renewed energy to start the second half, make a little bit of a run, look like we're about to get over the hump and then just, fall flat on our face and then you know they make the plays and, and end up pulling away and it's never really in doubt of that it, it just it felt so similar to past games and I wonder if that's part of it but I mean outside of Carleek playing poorly what about this game what about this performance was different than like so many recent Louisville performances this season I mean you hit the nail on the head it, it just seems like I, I and I mean I sound like a, an odd uneducated fan when I say this, but I mean, this style Chris Mack brings, I mean, we are just so conditioned yeah. to something else. I mean, it's just going to kill me. Like it just <laughs> seems like, I mean, it really is this style of play is going to kill me. Like how many times this year, like when we get down by like 10 or 13 and it just seems like we spend our entire 
like, you know, team's energy to get it right back within two to three. And then we just cannot get over the hump. It just seems like it, the team has such a hard time putting together a su- substantial offensive run. Um, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, when I was watching the game the first half, it, it, it I felt like I was watching, you know, every horror movie I've watched for the past five years. It was exactly the same. So, I mean, and that's a credit to Virginia. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, their system that they have, they execute it flawlessly. And, I mean, I, that's a level that we are not at yet with Chris Mack that I hope we get to one day. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. I just don't think we're on their level yet. Um, I'm not saying we can't eventually get there, but um, we we have a ways to go. I think the other reason why this loss is, is kind of sticking out or maybe hurting more than it would in a normal season, we have such a smaller sample size. I mean, this is we haven't even played 20 games this season. Games like this, when you've got you know a, a shortened resume, and, and our resume is short in you know it's a double meaning. We don't have a whole lot of meat there, and also we just have fewer games total than we usually do. Like, every game means a little bit more. And this game, I mean, the implications were so obvious. If you win, you're a three seed, you've got momentum, you're feeling like, you know, everybody's, you're probably going to be labeled as one of the favorites in Greensboro, you're probably going to be labeled as a sleeper in the NCAA tournament, you're playing your way off that 8-9 game, potentially. Um, And you've got a really, the thing is, you've got a really nice path to not just the semifinals, but potentially the championship game. And now, I mean, worst case scenario, like, the, the lowest of the low moment, on Saturday, it wasn't us getting beat. It wasn't the Jalen Withers foul. It wasn't watching Virginia celebrate in the locker room. It was having to root for Duke in the hours oh. afterwards and watching them absolutely just get stomped by North Carolina. Because uh, if Duke wins that game, we wind up being the sixth seed. We not only have an easier quarterfinal or I guess second round game. I think it would have been the winner of like Wake Forest and Notre Dame. But if you win that, you play Virginia Tech in the quarterfinals, not Florida State. Like that is, that's as good a draw as you can hope for if you have to play on Wednesday. Instead, Duke loses by a billion. It's the one non-competitive game in that series in the last like 20 years, and here we are now potentially having to play Duke on life support yet again in the tournament that they always seem to run. And then if you get past them for a third time, you've got FSU there waiting, who you've had no answer for in the last what three, four years. That just uh, yeah, it was it was a low Saturday. Um, but here's what I want to talk. Here's what I want to start addressing the overall team right now. And let's just be blunt about it. David Johnson's got to be better. Like yep. th- that that's my big takeaway. I know Carleek had a bad game. He's had one all year. Like this was, and it was Virginia. Like Virginia was hell bent on not letting Carleek Jones beat them, and they didn't. David Johnson took 17 shots in this game. He scored 14 points. He Continues to look kind of like freshman David Johnson, where he has moments of glory and then just really inconsistent play and just some befuddling decisions that you should not see from a kid who's probably about to play his last uh, couple weeks of college basketball. It's hard. There's no way this team does anything in the weeks to come if David doesn't snap out of whatever funk he's been the last few weeks. No, you're exactly right. And it's it's frustrating to watch because you know it's there and we've seen flashes of it. Um, I can't really put my finger on it to be honest. It, I mean, you know, I I do think he's giving maximum effort, so I'm not questioning that. Uh, it just seems like he does a lot of stuff like pretty good, 
Um, I guess he doesn't really have like one thing that he can totally rely on when he needs it the most. I mean, I know like this game, he did like a lot of posting up, which like he does that sometimes other games, like, you know, at home early this year, he kind of relied on the three point ball. Sometimes he, you know, attacks, which I mean, it's, it's a nice to have variety in your game, but it just seems like when he needs that one go-to move, it's not really there. Um, and I mean, you know, like you said, 17 shots, 14 points. Uh, and I, a lot of that has to do with Virginia. But, I mean, this is, you know, we're going on a couple games now where he's been pretty inconsistent. So, uh, I mean, if we want to have any shot, you know, especially against talented teams, uh, he's our most talented player. I'd say. I mean, Jalen is very talented, but he is very young. But, I mean, I'd say right now, you know, Dave is the guy I would look at versus like a very talented team to kind of be able to match their athleticism. David has not shot 50% from the field in a game since he went five for 10 against Virginia Tech on January 6th. He has missed, let's see, he's one of his last 11 from three after shooting it so, uh, I think, surprisingly well to start the season. He had one assist in this game against Virginia. Um, He's had, let's see, 9, 12, 17, 18 turnovers in his last five games. Like It's just... The turnovers are very concerning. I mean, that, like, the other stuff, like, missing shots, all right. I mean, the turnovers can't happen. They can't. And this is your most talented player. And like you said, against team, like, like as good as Carly Jones is, I think we can all agree like, he's not going to be an NBA superstar. He doesn't have that type of game. He's not an explosive athlete. He's limited in what he can do offensively against super athletic, bigger guards. That's where having David Johnson in the backcourt with you is supposed to help. He's supposed to be the equalizer against these really big, athletic, just super talented teams. And he hasn't stepped up in recent weeks. And again, if this team does make the NCAA tournament, which I'm assuming they will, you're going to play nothing but teams that have those types of backcourts that you're going to need to have David Johnson be, you know, your most talented player and acting like it. And it just has not happened. Um, So that's, it's especially disappointing when you look at how well Sam Williamson has come along. Who is just yeah. All of a sudden, like I'm expecting Sam to have damn near a double double every game. Like like he has gone from a guy who you just had no idea what you were going to get from one night to the next to a guy who every single night you're thinking, yeah, he's going to give us 14 and 10 or thereabouts. Oh, you're. I mean, I know Carlyk had he's that was his one bad game, you know, of the year really. So I'm not going to say that he hasn't been consistent because he has. He's he's. I'll give him one bad game, but I mean, Sam has been our second most consistent player here this second half of the season. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, I would even say, you know, <laughs> Jalen has been more consistent than Dave here, you know, kind of going down the stretch. So, I mean, there's no doubt we're going to need more out of them. Um, it, it's just, there's no way this team can accomplish any sort of goals if we're going to, you know, get these numbers from Dave that we've had the last three or four games. Since you mentioned Jalen and consistency in the same breath, let's talk a little bit about um, what a roller coaster this guy is. I mean, I love it, but my, what a roller coaster! It, I mean, you're never going to out scout Virginia. Virginia is always going to have you scout it. Like th- this is what they do. They, they 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 know your tendencies. They know your weaknesses. They know how to try and exploit you. And if you just beat them, they tip your cap. You, you have to play a fantastic game. But it was so obvious early in this game that Virginia wanted Jalen Withers to try and make plays. Like they were giving him all the space in the world. They had a defender there 
but they were going to give him space. And it was like Tony Bennett had told his team, not in these words, he doesn't cuss, he's a man of God, but he was like, this guy's going to make a few shots, he may make some good plays with the ball, but he's going to fuck up more times than not when all said and done. And you saw it every time he set a screen for Carleek up top. I mean, it was a beyond hard hedge for Virginia. Both guys, both the guy defending Jalen and the guy defending Carleek, would just stay with Carleek. And they were going to give Jalen full room to have an advantage. They didn't believe he could make a play. And I remember I texted my dad about midway through the first half and said, if we're going to go on a run here, Jalen's going to have to start doing stuff. And early on, when he was given all that space, Jalen just, he, he wasn't doing anything with it. I think he took a couple of shots in the first half, but he wasn't trying to make plays. He gets aggressive about midway through the second half, and right away we go on a huge run. Like, like he's the catalyst to us getting back in that game. Hits a three, has that just tremendous move around Jay Huff where he dunks on him and gets fouled, and here we go. Like, we're, we're right there. Then he misses two free throws. David misses a wide-open three. Jalen fouls uh, Wolden Tensei and then dribbles the ball off his foot the next play. And, th- and that's it. Like, we never get back yeah. in the game. You could tell right, right when that happened, everybody just – totally deflated it was like the game was over and I also like that was I think another one of the things that was really discouraging for me was the mentality of the team like they still had a chance there like and you knew just by looking at them it was one of those moments where you said I hope I'm wrong but that felt like the chance and the chance is gone now like the the door is closed and we're down like nine with three minutes left and we're jacking 25 footers with 28 seconds on the shot clock it just seemed like a I don't know like, like it felt like we had our shot, we blew it, and now we're just going to panic. I don't. It was just, yeah, I don't no, know. No, I mean, yeah. you're right. That that was a very crucial moment of the game. And we were, we were kind of texting during it. And when Jalen misses the two free throws, like, it was funny. If you go back and watch the game, like, he had made that move to go in and get fouled. And he's at the free throw line. And he's looking over at the bench because I think he thinks that he might be subbed out for it. That, that, this is just what I'm interpreting. I think he's looking over to see if he's going to be subbed out for it. And like, it was almost like he had a stare down with Dino Gaudio at the time. But they left him in. He missed both free throws. And then he loses his man, you know, a, a possession or two later, you know, fouls for three and then dribbles off his foot. And I, I don't know that I, I don't know if there's a ton Chris Mack could have done at that point because he only had two timeouts. But as a fan, I felt the game slipping away at that moment. And I didn't know. I'm like, do we need to sub here? Do we need to call a timeout? Because I could feel it turning on a dime. And, you know, there was no subs or no really stoppage of play at the time. And next thing you know, it seems like, you know, the game was almost over. So. Um, it was it was a tough spot. It, it was nice to see them battle back. It was nice to see Jalen get aggressive. I mean, that spin move on the baseline was unbelievable. Um, but it, still, I mean, the ending was just so excruciating um, that it, it, it's hard to really, you know, go back and, and look for the good things that happened during the game. No, you're right. And I, I'm with, there, with you. I thought when that was happening after the foul and then when Jalen dribbled it off his foot, first of all, he looked totally gassed. Second yeah, of all, exactly. even if he didn't look tired, like we needed a tourniquet there. Like, like we are bleeding out and I don't know why Chris Mack doesn't step in there and do so. It's very easy for us to critique that watching the game from home and now looking yeah. back at it a couple of days later. But even in the moment, I was like, you, you know, the, the guys look like they're just totally panicked. They're totally out of sorts. And against Virginia, like, Virginia doesn't fuck up in those situations. When they see you on your back heels, like, 
they're swinging and they're landing the punch. Like that's exactly what they do. That's exactly how they play. They're going to stay solid for 40 minutes and expect at some point you to not play within yourself. And and did, we'll did we only play six happen. guys in the second half? We only I, I know we only played five lineups total for the entire game, which was easily the fewest we've played this year. And it, I don't know if we only played six guys. Trainer, I don't think played. Um, Davis. All I can think of was Quinn, Quinn and Sam interchange, but I don't remember any other. Yeah, like I don't think Dre JJ played. played the second half. And Dre, Dre played. Dre Davis. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry. And Dre, that. we should say, like after kind of slumping here towards the end of his freshman season, played. Yeah, a really he played big. Game. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Hit the big three right when Dockage got knocked off the broadcast, uh, which was wonderful. We hit back-to-back threes right when Dockage gets uh, knocked off to, to cut the lead to three. I, I thought this was a good confidence builder for Dre Davis. But, yeah, if you're reading between the lines, it's certain. I know a lot of coaches this time of year like to shorten their bench, like to go to just a seven- or eight-man rotation. And it certainly looks like Chris Mack is saying, we're pretty much just going to play eight guys. Uh, Charles Menlin is not going to be a thing this year. Josh Nickelberry, I know he was available in this game. Probably not going to be a thing this year. Maybe those two guys come in if there's foul trouble or something else happens. But it sounds like it's going to be our starting five and then Trey Davis, J.J. Trainer, and, I mean, I guess maybe somebody else. But then- Let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm just, like, ratting off players here. Do you trust J.J. Trainer to be getting more minutes, or do you, I guess or do you think it depends on the matchup? Because I personally am, like, comfortable with him out there. Yeah, I think, given the matchup, I think he's he's good. The one thing that he has a lot of offensive confidence. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're right, but I mean, it, I mean, he's he's shown flashes that I mean, oh, he, he can does. hit that that mid range J with with no problem. But I I agree, sometimes it goes in, it doesn't come out. He's got great ability. There have been a couple of times where it's like you need to read the situation. You know, Carleek's made four shots in a row we're rolling like maybe don't take the three from the corner three seconds into the into the the possession like there have been a couple of those times where you can just tell he's like all right it's jj time like, like let's go but no i'm i'm comfortable with jj and i was really surprised that he only played four minutes in this game i, I thought that he would you know mac would maybe use him at the five to try and guard jay huff a little bit and also let Jalen withers get back to the four and that never really happened. It, it didn't. I don't know. I, I, to answer your question, yeah, I, I was surprised that we didn't see him more. And I'm comfortable with him playing 10 to 12 minutes on, on most nights, especially now with Malik being out. But I, I don't really have any other parting thoughts on this game. Um, it was deflating. It was disappointing. I thought we had a real chance. I didn't like the way we came out. And the whole, I guess the last thing we can mention before we move on here. We did something different defensively that we haven't done all year, which was we switched everything. Um, and early on, I'm like, I'm like, why is Jalen just letting Jay Huff go? Like, what is it? Fight through the screen. Like, stay on that man. You're the only guy we have who can guard him. And as it turns out, Mac was worried about their three-point shooting. And so he was saying, we're going to switch everything. We want to try to limit their outside attack. It worked in that regard. Virginia shot, I think, two of 15 from three. Is that right? It was either two or three or 15. Yeah, it, wasn't, yeah, it was bad. I know that. It was their lowest percentage of the season. So mission accomplished there. The issue was you've got a lot of times where Carly Jones is guarding Jay Huff, which was not great. I mean, it was that was rough. And then also we had some mismatches with Sam Hauser, who turned into a, a mid-range god out of nowhere. Yeah. Even David Johnson on him. He was just like hitting shots right over him. So, you know, you succeed in one area, you get bit in the other. It was 
it was a gamble that that ultimately didn't pay it off. But if if those mid range shots aren't falling, Chris Mack looks like a genius for the way that he defended the three. But I mean, not only was Hauser hitting those shots, I mean, those weren't even hitting the rim. I like I was like, okay, I mean, they were literally going like through the hoop like as precisely as you could. And then when Jay Huff you know, throws in the baseline, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of hook shot. I was like, all right, this is going to be a long game. I can already feel it. Um, so, I mean, it, like I said, it, it's tough. I, I mean, I hate that we lost, but I mean, when, when Virginia is playing well, I mean, they're, they're tough to beat, man. And I, I thought they played a, a, a good game on both sides of the ball. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the awards that came out from the ACC on Monday. Before we do that, reminding you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, if you missed it on Saturday, they dropped a new Louisville t-shirt. It's a 1980 National Championship t-shirt. Uh, very vintage, very retro, very cool. It was included in those Louis Lockers boxes that got sent out by UofL a couple of weeks ago. Now it's available to the public. Go to homefieldapparel.com, click on the Louisville section, check it out there. Check out all their other stuff. And again, if you use that promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout, it's going to save you 20% off your first order from Home Field. Uh, check out that T-shirt though; very, very cool. And all their other stuff is fantastic as well. As always, big thanks, big shout out, Home Field Apparel. Um, all right, let's talk about the ACC awards. There was a lot of discussion amongst Louisville fans in the last couple of weeks. I, I mentioned it in my Carly Jones piece on Saturday that. Jones had the potential to be the first Cardinal to be a conference player of the year since Clifford Rozier did it all the way back in 1994. It's, it's, it is baffling that we've gone almost 30 years with all those great teams, all that great talent, and haven't had one single conference player of the year, but that's where we are. And the streak continuing for another year. And I don't know how you feel about this, Dan, but I was thinking last night, I was like, if, if Carly doesn't win this award, I was thinking Sunday night, if Carly doesn't win this award, the only guy who's not going to make me mad if he does win it is Moses Wright. And that's who got it. Georgia Tech, big man. We saw firsthand how dominant he could be. Uh, everything's coming up past now. The Prince of March is back. Were you surprised at all or upset at all that Carly did not win the award? No. I mean, obviously, like that game Saturday is unfortunately fresh in everybody's minds. Um, you know, watching the Duke-Carolina game – Billis mentioned that, you know, he almost said word for word what happened. Like, I think it was Carleek's award, you know, as of two weeks ago. But if it was, you know, his choice now, he'd give it to Moses. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's like it's, I'm, I'm very disappointed for Carleek. Um, I'm sure not that he thought it was his, but I'm, I'm sure if he thought if he had a decent game on on Saturday, he'd have a very good shot for it. But. You know, I know it's cliche, but I I hope this puts a chip on his shoulder and, um, you know, he goes out with something to prove here in the in the next couple of weeks. I thought the the voting was actually going to be close. Like I I had no real sense of how the ACC media was going to go here. Um, There was a part of me that thought, like, they're going to give this to hurt, aren't they? Like, they're going to give this. I would have been that would have pissed me off. I would have been very upset. And another part of me thought maybe Huffer Hauser because Virginia won. But. I thought maybe they'd split the vote. It turns out it wasn't even close. Moses Wright got 33 votes. Uh, Carly and Justin Champagne from Pitt tied for second with 13. Nobody else got more than five. This was a, a runaway. Uh, Moses Wright, just not really any competition. Um, yeah. I mean, it, Georgia Tech played really well down the stretch. And, I mean, you know, 
we saw it firsthand. I mean, like, I know we blew them out, but, I mean, he's a good player. Um, but, I mean, we all know it. Overall, it's a very down year for the ACC. Um, so, you know, congrats to Moses. But, you know, it, it's not like he was going up against Zion this year. By the way, what the did you catch the dude? I can't remember his name. He was calling the game, the play-by-play guy. He's called is it Dave O'Brien. Dave O'Brien, yeah. Okay, he, yeah, he's called, like, our last three or four games, I think, but with Doc. Doc is just totally out to him as a Jose Alvarado player, yeah. voter. And, He's like, uh, well, I guess it's out there now. Yeah, but then like when I I was like, Jose Alvarado, okay, like, like that's just so we we now know Dave O'Brien, one of the four Jose Alvarado voters. Uh, but like this was the one guy who wasn't gonna bother me. I, I think Moses Wright deserves it. It is shot like everybody's gonna pick Georgia Tech to win the ACC. I feel like like they are the trendy pick. If you're not picking Virginia or Florida State. I know Pat Forty did it. I, I've seen a lot of people who are like, I think they're definitely going to go to the championship game. They are a very trendy pick, and they got the Prince of March. They got Pastner. They got the face shield. They've got uh, you know two good guards in Devoe and Alvarado, and they've got the best player in the conference now in Moses Wright. Uh, but elsewhere with the awards, Jalen Withers, he makes first team All Freshman. I guess there's only one team. He, he makes the All Freshman team, which was cool. David Johnson, honorable mention. I saw some Louisville fans upset that he wasn't on the third team. I mean, it, it, I, I felt like he was kind of fortunate to get as many honorable mention votes as he as he did. He's just has not been very good down the stretch. No, I, I you know, I love Dave. Um, I think a big part of it, like, I mean, like you said earlier, our season's been so choppy. We've missed, you know, the third most games out of any Power 5 team. I think that probably hurt him a little um but yeah I, I i definitely you know can't see any qualms with keeping him off you know any of the first three teams there jalen uh makes the all freshman team he actually uh, i saw a lot of people say that he was their choice the runner-up choice for freshman of the year he ended up getting five total votes that was the fourth place. scotty barnes ran away with freshman of the year dayron sharp who killed us for north carolina was second dj stewart i don't know how he got but, you know, but he's okay for Duke, yeah. and then Withers got five. Uh, pretty impressive showing. I mean, Jalen, for a guy who redshirted at a power conference program last year, first year returns on the court, pretty impressive for him overall. I mean, uh, you could, we want to, you know, if we're going to be critical of Mac, we, we have to give him credit when credit's due. I mean, the, the red shirt turned out to be great. I mean, it's obvious that he put on, you know, weight. It's obvious that he worked on his game. Um, and I mean, the stuff we, we see the flashes, but he's a freshman. I mean, he's inconsistent. Um, and, and that's just part of college basketball. You hope that next year he comes back, um, a little more refined. And, uh, I, I mean, I, like we've, we've said all along, I mean, he has a chance to be really good. Um, so hopefully we can surround him with the right pieces because I'm excited to see what he can do for us for years to come. Chris Mack received exactly one vote for <laughs> i saw that is yeah. there any chance that that vote did not come from a louisville media member i know i'm i, I was like oh yeah poor i mean chris <laughs> i i don't know I, I don't want to like call any media members but i mean there's a couple in my head and i'm like yeah they might have done it yeah. <laughs> I, I saw it i was like really i was like i mean i, I love the guy but i mean Preseason picked fifth, finished seventh. Let's—I uh, don't know if that's really warranty. Also, Brad Brownell got two votes. I was like, 
really? Like, like, what, what are we doing here, guys? Like, there's, there's seen, there are three candidates that I, I guess maybe even four. I'll throw Tony Bennett in there that I think you can make a reasonable case for, and those two guys, Brownell and Mac, are not on that list. But what are you gonna do? Um, all right, we'll turn the page here. Just big picture. We're gonna try to keep this short. Like I said, we won't ramble on too long. But conference tournament starts today. If you're listening to this, it's, it's on Tuesday. We're recording this Monday night. I love ACC Tournament Tuesday. I, I love just the total lethargic nature that at least a couple of the teams have. And the first game is going to be Pitt-Miami, which, I mean, those two teams have wanted their season to be over for like a month and a half. It, it's just going to be awful and beautiful. We're excited for Wednesday. Um, I, I think we're all kind of holding out hope that maybe BC beats Duke. But just overall, not just about Wednesday's game, where's your confidence level right now for this team? and their ability to maybe win at least one, maybe two, maybe more games here in Greensboro. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know here. I mean, I like, I really want to be half glass full guy. And, and if, if you tell me that, like, I'm like, all right, like, I mean, Chris Mack has coached some teams like not at Louisville, but at Xavier that, I don't want to say they've limped into the tournament, but they've they've been lower seeds and probably not given too much a shot. And they've made a run. So, I mean, it's not past a, a team that he's coached is able to put together something like that. And you want to couple that with the fact that, I mean, the ACC is as weak as we'll ever see it. So if there is a year that it's open and there for the taking, I know that's cliche. It's probably this year. But with that being said, I mean, I have just not seen it from this team to be able to go on a deep run. I hope I'm very wrong about this, but um, I would be shocked if if they made it even to, I would say, the, the I mean, the finals, I would be really shocked. Like, if they made it to the semis, I'd be pretty shocked as well. I, I'm with you, and I wish I wasn't. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. I will conjure up the two things that I'm going to say that, that are – allowing me to maintain hope. The first one is what you just mentioned a couple minutes ago. When Chris Mack's Xavier teams made their biggest runs, it was almost always when they were sort of in the position Louisville's in right now, like not guaranteed of a spot in the tournament, in as like a 10, 11 seed, 9, 8 seed. That's when they were at their best in, in March Madness. Two, I'm always going to use this example. It's, it's always going to keep me from totally giving up hope this time of year. 2012, that team limps into the Big East tournament off of just two woeful performances to end the regular season. They embarrass themselves on senior day. They're the seventh seed in the Big East tournament, win four games in four days, end up going to the Final Four. We're the seventh seed here. Not saying history is going to repeat itself. I'm just saying uh, we also were the seventh seed a couple years ago and and lost on Thursday. But, hey, we're we're trying to look at the positive here. Um, But besides that, it's just that there's not a whole lot to cling to. We also should mention, as far as Louisville's tournament resume is concerned, they've got one quad one win. It's the win at Duke. They're potentially having to play Duke, a, a reeling Duke team, uh, on Wednesday. So they're in this just awkward position where to advance in the ACC tournament and bolster their resume, they have to further humble the only good win on their resume right now. It's just... I was kind of concerned that Duke would potentially fall below 70 in the net, which would make Louisville's win not a quad one. They're 60 right now. So if you assume they beat BC on, on Tuesday and then lose to us, I don't think it's going to drop them out. So Louisville be guaranteed to have it still at least quad one win. 
even if they do beat Duke on, on Wednesday. But it's just we really should have won on, on Saturday. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's talk about it. Like, I mean, we lose this game on Wednesday. Like, what what are your thoughts? I feel like Louisville finds itself in a strange place where the committee has to take into account the fact that they had so many games canceled. Um, they had so many quad one opportunities taken away from them, but they also, they also have to look at just the, the lack of meat on the, on the resume, the, the lack of meat on the bone, the fact that they're, they only have one quad one win, the fact that they you know beat Virginia tech, but it was at home and in early January. And I think that the, the easiest cop out for the committee in that situation would be to put Louisville on the first four. And I think, that's my big and bold prediction. If Louisville loses on Wednesday, they get sent to, I was going to say they get sent to Dayton, but they have to play that Thursday in the first four. And I told, I told Greer this Saturday night. I had this just weird premonition. We're playing in the first four against some team that I hate. And he was like, Michigan state. I was like, that might sound right. And they beat Michigan on Sunday. Like they're going to be in the tournament. Now I just, I feel it coming. Let's win on Wednesday. Let's get ourselves into that just by scenario where we don't have to play on Thursday. I don't want any part of that. I just, I don't want to speak that. I don't want that to be the next thing this podcast speaks into existence. I mean, if we lose on Wednesday, uh, the fact that we're going to have to go from Wednesday until Sunday and just think about the nightmare scenario of like our name, not being called. I mean, it's just, it's going to be the longest week of my life. It really will be like, I would, like beg for a first four like if we lost on Wednesday because that's how I'll be feeling after the loss is like that might be the season right there so yeah I'm with you god let just win Wednesday whatever your best effort is just just give us like just a clean like what are your better games of the year Wednesday and let's just you know put any doubt to bed yeah my concern is I feel like this happens at least with, with at least one team every single March where they lose early in the conference tournament and everybody, the immediate reaction is they're still good. Don't worry about it. Like they could afford to take this loss. And then as that week goes on and some other bubble teams win games in their conference tournaments, people start taking a closer look at their resume and they're like, yeah, are they really that safe? Like, what do we really see in them? I don't want us to be that team. Like I, I don't want us to be the team that all day, Thursday, all day, Friday, all day, Saturday, people are looking at and saying, yeah, tell me again why Louisville's, safely in like, like why yeah. are we, i mean they're going to be a 10 or 11 it's like all right we're in guys as long as syracuse doesn't make a run to the finals up oh, they're playing saturday like yeah. it, I mean, like those are the scenarios we're talking about that could be a nightmare for us you just you don't want to put yourself in the hands of the committee and i just winning losing wednesday would absolutely do that we've also been challenged I, i'm going to give a, a shout out we talked after the Duke game, that podcast, about how people always want the emergency pod. We got challenged by Brent on Twitter, who said, every postseason game, emergency pod. If you're on board for this week, I'm on board. Every game that Louisville wins in Greensboro, they're all going to be night games. They'll be 6.30 on Wednesday and Thursday. They'd be the late game on Friday if they made it that far. I'm down for emergency pod. I think those would be fun. It's like, let me think, put my kids to bed or emergency pod. Yeah, I'll go with the emergency <laughs> pod. We'll go ahead and roll with that one. That sounds good to me. It's done. It's happening. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have a, a quick day in the dumps to wrap this thing up or are we just moving on? Um, 
I mean, I'll uh, just a quick one. I, I told you about it last night. It was rather horrifying. Like, I, I don't know if, if you have Facebook, like sometimes you just kind of click around and, you know, I, I it, it's so toxic. I, I, I try to not to get on as much as I, I used to, but uh, I was like clicking through my suggested friends um, last night and I found this kid who, who remained nameless, but I went to high school with. That, I mean, I haven't talked to this kid since probably the day we graduated. So I just started scrolling through his page and I was like kind of, you know, far down in his page, like reading some of the posts and like the posts were, I mean, uh, the, the content was pretty graphic in nature. Um, and I like made the like <laughs> the worst sin possible is an accidentally clicking a like on it. Um, like the feeling that goes through your stomach at that moment. Is absolutely horrifying. I mean, like I unliked it quick, but I, I guess they. St- I'm guessing he stills probably going to get the notification, which literally, like, I couldn't sleep last night. So um, I'm a hundred percent sure he's not a listener to the pod after the <laughs> messages I read on there last night. But um, yeah, if you've ever done that, I, I totally sympathize with you. It was one of the worst feelings I've ever had. Let's just say this was a person who was embroiled in a. Very public controversy a few years ago. The post you liked was directly addressing this controversy. It was. It was a post that I think many people in the public enjoyed or would look on favorably. So you liking it four or five years after the fact. Is, it, is, it was so bad. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, well, it's that feels perfect for the situation we're kind of in here after the last couple of days. With Louisville basketball, but uh, like we mentioned, double pod coming today. We got Jeff Spear in, in an ACC tournament preview coming up later today, so hopefully you haven't had your fill of the CC podcast. Uh, again, give us a like if you can. Give us a subscribe on whatever podcast you. I said like. Uh, give us a subscribe on whatever podcast app you use. If you can give us a rating and a review, we appreciate that as well. No new reviews to read in this one. Uh, leave us a review. We'll read it on the pod. That's our promise. Uh, I, I, and also. I knew we were fucked. Oh, yeah. I knew, I was like, we should probably talk about this publicly. I cut you. Well, a lot of people jumped on it right away. They're like, if we lose Saturday, you cut off Dan before the go-cards. I thought you were going to come in hotter. And then right away, I was like, I don't think I got it. I was like, I think I was too, I think I was too fast. I think I jumped the gun. And sure enough, I listened. it was the first thing I listened to. I went right to the end. Not even a guh on your end. I, I ruined it. It was all me. Well, the game is hanging in the balance here in the next 30 seconds, so everyone say a quick prayer. Here we go. Until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.